And so, with the cup held high, me the leave Croke Park, All-Ireland football champions for 1949. Oh, beautiful me, you've got all that I need. Dimpsey hits Davin Fay. Anthony Finnerty comes in and gives him a touch of the elbow. Colm Kyle hitting Finnerty. This is Colm's first punch. Finity delayed reaction, looks around, sees Martin O'Connell coming in and thinks that the best action is to go down. What a set of matches we've had. Four terrific and memorable games. Final score meets 2-10. Dublin, 15. So Joe McDonough, GA president, presents Sam McGuire to Graham Geraghty and meet of the football champions. Hello listeners and you're very welcome to another We Are Me podcast with Mickey Brennan and Davey Rispin and uh, Davey, looking at our podcast from last week, we, we sent out uh, a, a call to help from all of our Mead people around the county and uh, we were obviously in touch with Matt Durkey from St. Augustine or St. Augustine in Florida and uh, you know he, he was able to trace back his roots to the 1600s to Mead and, you know, he was looking for his football club. Well, after a bit of research and a few listeners getting involved and getting in touch with us, of course, his great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather was involved at the Battle of the Boyne and uh, was taken as a, a, a slave at the time and was brought to Canada, I believe, at first, and then he moved off uh, and, and moved to America himself. But so that when we traced it all back and we got in contact with the, with the people that were in contact with us, we found out that his local football club would have been St. Colum Kills of Leighton, which is absolutely phenomenal stuff, Davy. Oh, yeah, we're a little bit gutting, Mickey, that it wasn't our clubs, but look, great to <laughs> get him back to his rightful owner, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> um, incredible story. And, and it didn't take long, I think, by midnight last Sunday night, possibly. It was all sorted. Yeah, yeah, it was indeed. As soon as we got the podcast out, um, we had a few people listening in who got in contact with us straight away. To be fair to Eddie Kirby out in Belaver, the goalkeeper in Belaver, he's obviously into his history. He was the one that got in touch, in fairness, and he said that he's done a little bit on it himself and he's found that the Durkies, um, and he had the link to the graveyard so you could like identify graves and there was Durkies buried out in that direction um, from years gone by. So he was the one and then obviously we initiated contact between Matt and the St. Colum Kills Club between um, Kira and indeed Keith Lockman, the chairman out in St. Colum Kills, and they've been going over and back since. And look at it, it's great. It's it's brilliant. Yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. And I'm tracing it back to William of Orange and the whole lot. Like I just think it's uh, it's massive. It's a massive part of history in Ireland. And to be able to uh, trace back his history to the involvement of that was absolutely cool. But we're going to keep an eye on that one and we're going to keep in contact with Matt and, of course, St. Colin Kills and uh, see how it all progresses. But we have found him a club. Um, and, uh, yeah, look, I thought he was going to be a, a, a sky blue man. Um, but I didn't think it was going to be for another club. I thought he was going to be a Simonstown man, but he went with a jersey that's very similar to Simonstown, and he is a South Column Kills man, which is uh, brilliant. But yeah, we wanted to give a mention to that before we kick on with the podcast. Loads to get through on the podcast uh, here today. We have the uh, club calendar, which has been released. 
uh, we'll be reviewing uh, Mead and Westmead. The Hurlers got a victory on Saturday as well. They were down in uh, the uh, daunting place of, of, of Ockram, the daunting uh, uh, football pitch of Ockram. Um, and then the Camogues were out. Now, the ladies footballers are out next weekend, so we've nothing on them just for the moment. Um, and then we will be going to our usual lotto and Instagram um, uh, segments. Davey, I suppose the best thing to do would maybe start with the calendar because there are an awful lot of footballers out there who just come back to training and they will be so delighted to hear that there is going to be football and hurling starting very, very soon. Absolutely, Mickey. Yeah, it's great to get a bit of clarity. All we're missing now is the really anticipated draws for the championship and indeed the, the cups, which, uh, which are probably going to come first. But, you know, with everybody back training, there's definitely light at the end of the tunnel. And I think it's safe to say that by this time next month, we'll have played the first round of the cup games in the club. In the club. Yeah, we will indeed. And when you look at it, we'll, we'll actually have, by this time next month, we'll have played two rounds of the cup uh, competitions because the leagues have been uh, taken away this year. We are going to go straight into cup competitions. So the Fresh Cup, the Cornabonia and the Talton Cup are going to be run um, as on a league basis this year. So there's going to be two groups in each uh, competition, two groups of eight, and you will get your seven games or, or two groups of seven maybe and you get six games am I, am I right on that Davey yeah yeah it's all it's all there on that um on that document as well how it's explained I think with the senior and intermediate it, it definitely is with junior they're waiting to see on which teams affiliate or which clubs you know affiliate for that the cups yeah absolutely well the first weekend of uh, football will see uh, everybody out on the 6th of June and then the hurling cups will take place on the 13th of June. And the Leinster uh, minor football final from 2020 will take place on the 27th of June. And there are provisions made as well for any competitions that weren't finished in 2020 to be finished in in, in the upcoming summer, like the 2020 Cup Finals uh, will be played on the weekends of the 25th of July or the 1st of August. So that's really, really good. The proposed format timing uh, for the Fresh Cup finals, um, as I said, early August, um, I'm looking there, Fresh Cup finalists, Wolftones and Kells, and Castletown in the corner. That, that's Gail Colin Kill, Mickey, yeah? Yeah, I, I think it is, yeah. Is it? It's, it's just interesting Three. that they said Kells, you know. Is it not all three teams from Kells playing well, on that? Th- that's what I thought it was, but maybe yeah. not. Wolftones will take on Kells. Uh, Two <laughs> 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 Yeah, I'll tell you one thing: the, the county board would want to sort that one out there now because you know you could have Drumbara Kilmainham Wood, or sorry, Drumbara Kilmainham and Gail Column Kill all turning up for that um, Fresh Cup Some final. Some crack when Mickey Newman is talking out for the Fresh Cup final. And <laughs> the Toads boys wouldn't be too happy. <laughs> uh, the Tolton Cup uh, between Can Ross and St Vincent's also to be played um, in early August um, before the 2021 Championship starts. The hurling competition, the Championship final, obviously the Senior Football Championship final between, or sorry, Senior Hurling Championship final between, it says SFC, uh, Senior Football, but it's actually Senior Hurling Championship between Rathout and Trim. The Intermediate Hurling Final between Boardsman and, and Wolf Tones. Junior Hurling Final, uh, Junior Hurling Championship Final between Rathout and Clemesson. The Junior Two and the Intermediate Hurling Playoff between Kilskier and Myla or uh, Trim, second team, will all be dedicated 
to the weekend in August after the Intercounty and 2021 Cups have been played and before the 2021 Hurling Championships kick off. So they're putting them to the end of the Cup competitions, give teams a chance to get themselves ready. The 2020 Premier Championship finals between uh, the Division 7, the Division 8 and the Division 3 relegation between Beliver and Dunham or Ashburn, they're going to be played in June prior to the 2021 Premier Championship start. It gets confusing, but, uh, you know, we can see what it, what it all means. The fresh, sorry, the 2021 Football Cups, three divisions based on 2021 grading start in June. We've already talked about that. The Senior, uh, Senior Fesh Cup will be an open draw, two groups of eight, um, with seven games in uh, your league part of it, semi-final and final. The intermediate one, which is the Cornabonia, um, uh, again, two groups of six plus one group of eight. So... Are you, are you looking at three groups there in that one, Davey? Yeah, three groups, 20 teams in total. So that's how it's going to be split up, two sixes and an eight. Yeah, and there's going to be um, a semi-final and a final. And then the Junior or Tottenham Cup, that's to be confirmed based on affiliations, as you said. The Hurling Cups, there'll be three divisions uh, based on 2020 championship gradings uh, starting June. Um, and similarly, the Senior or the Davis Cup will be two groups, open draw, and there will be six in each group. So you'll have five games and then you've got a semi-final and final. The intermediate or Burn Cup uh, uh, is the same as the senior and the junior is to be confirmed similar um, based on affiliations. The football championship will start in mid-August and the finals will be in late October or November. And the hurling championship, sorry, the senior football championship, normal uh, groups of four with quarter-finals. So that's absolutely brilliant. And um, so the top two in each group going through to a quarterfinal. The intermediate, uh, normal uh, groups of four, so there'll be five groups of four, um, with preliminary quarterfinal, quarterfinal, and there'll be three teams relegated from the intermediate championship in 2021. Junior football championship, again, to be based on affiliations, split junior and junior two for 2022. So that's an interesting one there as well. There'll be a junior championship and a junior two championship in 22. So um, there will be, I'd say there'll probably be something like eight teams in each or 10 and 10 and six, Davey, going in into 2022. That's that's huge, Mickey. Um, and it's purely because of the three teams coming down this year from intermediate, but there's also going to be another two or possibly three relegated next year to get oh, yeah, yeah. the intermediate down to 16 teams. So whatever needs to happen with that. So basically, without calling it out, the Junior B is going to be reinstated in 2021. And what you're going to have is you're going to have an incredibly strong Junior A next year because you're going to have all the teams in it this year bar whoever is the lucky one to win it plus the three teams coming down so it's going to be an absolutely serious grade and then the junior b is probably going to be the bottom as you say maybe eight teams who who you know finish bottom that'll be really interesting to see how that goes that's a huge one there yeah yeah absolutely massive and and i suppose you know uh you're, you're calling it the Junior B Championship, but yeah, it'll be Junior 2, Junior B, it's all the same. But the only thing is, is that it'll all be first teams. There won't be any second teams going into it, which, yeah. you know, has probably uh, skewed everything over the last number of years. Um, the Hurling Championship will start mid-August after the 2020 finals have been played. Uh, the Senior Hurling Championship and Intermediate Hurling Championship will be normal groups of six. The Junior Hurling Championship and the Junior 2 Hurling Championship format based on affiliations. Premier Championship will start in mid-June after the 2020 finals 
divisions of eight with seven um, league games, um, semi-final and relegation semi-finals, and then a final and a relegation final. And then the under-19 and under-21, under-19 football and under-21 hurling will be in November and December, and that's to be confirmed after the uh, other championships are complete debut wrestling. So um, I suppose just skipping down then to, you know, some what ifs or questions and answers that the county board have have um, you know probably preempted. So what happens if any of the Mead County teams are still playing in August? Well, the start of the championships will be delayed and will be proposed championship formats regardless. Uh, so the the formats that are there will will be there will will always be there this year. And uh, the finish the competitions might have to finish later if a Mead team is still. In the championship, the mean county teams are beaten early in the championships. Will the club championship start early? So this is a big one because you know you wouldn't have been able to. You st- would have been that problem again of going. Well, when can I book me holidays or whatever? No, the championships are fixed for when they are. The only way the championships might actually be changed is if a mean team is still involved, and the, the championship might be pushed out but it will not be brought forward. So we still need to finish the cup competitions as well from this year and the other uh, competitions from last year. So as well as provide more predictable schedules for the club players, which we've all been asking for. Why were cups chosen instead of leagues for June and July competitions? Well, cups cups are linked to championship grading versus league grading, um, which is two years old. And second team players in the All-County Football League could have to play two or three games per week. And it avoids league and Premier Championship clashes. So, you know, it just frees up the, the all the players uh, from all the teams. Why introduce midweek um, games for the June-July Cups? Well, it provides more games for club players in the height of the summer and uh, improves the training games, training to games ratio for players, which I think is brilliant. You know, like, I, I think I may have said weekend of the 6th of June, but I think it is actually midweek. It's not uh, the weekends um, that they're going to be playing them games. So the final question that they preempted was, why not more adult midweek games? Any more midweek adult games would have a significant negative impact on the underage game schedule. Um, There's not enough pitches and referees. and Some players are underage coaches. So, Davey, you know, we have to look at that. Actually, I'm sorry, the the cup competitions are starting on the 6th of June, which which is the Sunday. Yeah, yeah, the Sunday, so they probably will go ahead then. Um, <laughs> interestingly enough, Tyg Skelly from Karen Ross has been in touch with me, and uh, he said, so the 2020 Talton Cup final will be played this year after the 2021 final. What do you make of this? And uh, he says, be nice to win it twice in a week. And I says, wouldn't be so nice to lose twice in a week. <laughs> <laughs> um well, yeah, but the 2021 will, will be played the week before the 2021 cup competitions. Isn't that right? Um, I I don't know. Just go up to the top, sorry, to the... We'll just see, can we work it out? Um, the cup finals. I, I don't know. It could well be played after it, so they might well... Um, yeah, no, sorry, yeah. The 2020 finals will be played after the 2021 cups. <laughs> Okay. So basically, okay. you could be the 2021 winner, but you might have to hand the cup over a week later, so that the 2020 <laughs> uh, 
winners can be can be given it. So uh, just a, just a small thing there, but look at it's it's all it's all in jest, you know. Yeah, I'm just looking at it there. Yeah, it's early August after the 2021 Cup Finals. So mm. yeah, that's a really really interesting one. So it is. But look, do you know what I like about this is, is it has said everything out there for us, and we know what our summer is going to be like playing uh, playing football now. The only thing I'd still be a little bit, and, and I like it, and I like the plan, and I think it's great that it's in place, and we all know that it's going to be what it will be, and it won't change. I still would have liked to see the league's return, and maybe split up, you know, divided by two, like they're doing with the cup. So you still could have had a league. Let's say there's twelve rounds, or thirteen or fourteen rounds. You know, you'd have six and one six in the other or seven and one, seven in the other. That way you could still have promotion and relegation. We obviously had that last year. We're, we're not going to have it now this year. So it's going to be next year before it'll be the first time in three years. Amazingly, we'll have promotion slash relegation in the leagues. That that would be my only thing. I just think that in cups, the fact that there's no relegation, if you lose your first two, there's going to be an awful lot of dead rubbers towards the latter stages of it. Whereas if it's a league and your promotion relegation, generally speaking, you still have something to play for is after two going, or three rounds. Is that not going to play into your hands in court time though, maybe? Fuck <laughs> <laughs> you, Brennan. Um, but, but do you hear what I'm saying? Like, seriously, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. like particularly but, in the cup scenario. Absolutely. But the only thing is, is that those games towards the end of the cup, towards the end of the cup are going to be just before your championships start. Yeah, yeah. So you, like while there may be dead, dead rubbers, you you cannot get into a complacency towards the end of the cup. I do see your point as well. Obviously, with no relegation and whatever, and um, that some teams uh, the towel may be thrown in for championship before the middle of the cup. You know that kind of way. Yeah. So they 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 might just uh, fulfil the, the fixtures, and that could be it. Um, and book their holidays for 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 the middle of August or something like that. Their second summer holiday. But look, we it, it's great to have. Um, it's great to have the, the, the calendar ready and out there and anybody who needs to get it you can go to GA Mid GA website and I'm sure you'll be able to click on the link in there and download it so Davey anyway um, moving on um, that's that's you know something for us to look forward to but on a county uh, on the county end of things what a weekend for, for, for Mead uh, three wins out of three the lads getting the win over Westmead the hurlers getting the win over Wicklow down in Auckland, and uh, the ladies Camogues getting the victory over Kildare on Saturday. A clean sweep for for Mead on, on the weekend. Yeah, Carlsberg don't do weekends, Mickey, but if they did, um, un- unbelievable, you know. And <laughs> in particular, you know, great Saturday with the Camogues and, and indeed the hurlers. I'm absolutely thrilled for the hurlers because it was a really, really massive game for them to go to Auckland and and. and respond six days after that humlin that they took um at the hands of Offley in Navan last Sunday. Um, it was great to see that was only a blip and the the character that was shown within the squad to go up there on a really dirty day and, and pull out a, a pretty comprehensive win against a decent Wicklow side. I was delighted and you know the players who made significant impressions last week came into the side. Jack Jack C. Regan came in from yeah. for a start and hit six points. Um James Kelly got a start as well on the back of his great performance off the bench and he he hit a point as well. Um so yeah and even Adam Gannon who dropped down to the bench came on and, and hit two points. So it just shows that they're all they're back to business. The one thing and I just noticed it last night Mark McCormick actually announces um inter county retirement. He he was sub goalkeeper on Saturday 
and um, 39 years of age now. We only spoke about it last week and he just said, you know, with family and getting on a little bit more, he needs to be playing every game and he just can't commit as much as he, he, he would like. But a, a great servant who I feel deserves a mention for what he's given to me, Thurland, was obviously the number one last year and um, sub-goalkeeper. And he'll, he'll definitely be missed on the pitch, but but also off the pitch as well for the younger players. So disappointed to see Mark go. But I just said, if it gets him an extra year or two playing club, sure. Isn't, isn't that great? Yeah, yeah, it is disappointing to see him um, leaving the panel because um, even he looks like one of those characters that, you know, you need in a dressing room. And uh, from watching the video of his birthday, uh, yeah. when they sang his happy birthday to him only a few weeks ago, um, you know, you could see that he's one of those characters that, that you need around a dressing room. So disappointed to see him go. But a great result for Mead. Uh, down in Ockram, as we said, 20 points to 11, uh, 10 points to five at half time. So we're always in control of this one, by the looks of things. Yeah, absolutely, Mickey. Did enough. I think the second quarter of each half is where they made hay. It, the first quarter was very much uh, up in the air. I think it was 5 4 after 15 minutes. Mead put the foot on the gas and kicked on towards half time. They did the same in the second half. The, the, the first half of the second half was a bit of a stalemate. Second half, they really pressed for home and put up. Put, sorry, putting up 20 points on a day like that was was absolutely superb. And, um, you know, a plethora of scores. I'm just looking down through it. Jaxie Regan with six. Pajo Hanrahan, uh, the midfielder from Atoth, um slash Curaha, obviously, from a football and persuasion, um, hit three mm-hmm. points. Gavin McGowan, three points from play. Um, Mark O'Sullivan was, was absolutely outstanding, I believe, making it full forward and um, obviously, Killian was superb for me then on Sunday as well. So good, good weekend in the household of the O'Sullivan. Sorry, um, Douglas and Gannon getting two points each. Paddy Keneally and James Kelly also getting a point each. So really good spread of scores there, and um, a great result for Nick Weir and uh, one to definitely build upon. I think they have Kerry next week, um, Intralee next Sunday at one o'clock. So that's going to be another big test. But now they can go down with a bit of confidence and. That the sort of the pressure is, is is off them again, if you will. Kerry were beaten heavily by uh, awfully, I believe, today, Mickey, as well. So that's a pretty big game for Kerry. Mead might fancy their chances going down there. Yeah, I was just going to go to the results as well from uh, from Division Two A of the Hurling League, and you know, awfully hammered Kerry two twenty eight to thirteen points, and um, so thirty four to thirteen, so a twenty one point victory for awfully, and then. Uh, the other game that was played was down in Carlo and down coming away with a two-point victory here and a huge scoring game, 320 to 318. So that's a, you know, it leaves it that the table now um, is awfully on top with maximum points, four points from uh, two games. And then it's Carlo and then it's Mead um, in third place, down and Kerry. Now, obviously, Carlo, Mead, down and Kerry uh, all have two points, but the victory for down against Carlo has opened this division up and and, and it's, it's it's all systems go again. That victory over Wicklow has put Mead back into the um into the mix and they've played the best team in 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 the division in Offaly already. It's a funny one, Mickey, because on the basis of it going into this weekend, you would have said it would have been between Mead, Wicklow and Down. Two from those three would prop up the table and finish bottom when all is said and done with down getting that huge win against Carlo that puts Carlo in the shit um, it, it leaves five teams on sorry leaves four teams on two points one on zero with Wicklow and awfully top of the tree with four and a massive score difference as well so 
Awfully have really set the pace, but under that, there's huge opportunity for the likes of Mead and indeed down. They're going to be looking at it after that win against Carlo, and they're going to be saying to themselves, we can look up and set it down now. If Mead could somehow go to Tralee next weekend and get a win with down to play in Navan, I think the following week potentially, God, who knows what could happen? Unbelievable. What what a difference a week makes, Mickey. <laughs> yeah, and, and and when you look at it as well, like awfully um Offaly still have to play Carlo and Down um, and, and on Wicklow. So, you know, it just, it, it's put me right back into the mix. And delighted for Nick Weir and the lads. And that's a huge win down in Ockram. And we wish them the very best of luck uh, next week when they uh, take on Down. Isn't that what you said? When me take on Kerry. Oh, sorry, Kerry. Yes, they're down in Tralee next week is right. Um, so well done to uh, the Harvers. Um, Davey, moving on then to uh, sticking with the sticks. The Camogues came away with the victory on Saturday in Dungani, 119 to Kildare's three goals at seven. 11 points to 2-2 at halftime, so it was only a three-point game, but it was 11 scores to four. It ended up being 20 scores to 10, but it was only a 22 points to 16-point victory, so six points win, but a really good value uh, win for the for the Camogues. Ah, there were full value for it. There's absolutely no question about it. I think, you know, we, we'll speak about it on our Loyal Royals podcast uh, later on in the week. But the goals kept Kildare in it for long parts of the game. They got two in the first quarter. That got them through nearly to half time. Mead hit the last six points in the first half. Um, Amy Gaffney was sensational on the day. Five points from play. Back to our brilliant best at corner forward. Lightning pace. Deadly accurate, absolutely superb performance. Um, Jane Dolan was superb as well. She got seven, um, four frees and three from play. Um, and then in, at the start of the second half, having gone three points up and looked like they were going to coast home in, in the second half, they conceded 1-1 straight after the break, which I know Brendan Skeehan, the, the little bit of hair that he does have left, he'll be pulling out um, because it, they just were asleep at the start of each half. But thankfully... They recovered once again and they, you know, they really asserted themselves in midfield. Christina Troy, who was outstanding, the captain, um, she was excellently complimented by Aileen Slattery, who hit two superb second half points as well. Um, and defensively, they got a real grasp on it. I thought Louise Donahue and Sophia Payne in particular were superb. Um, and uh, Megan Tyne, who was sort of playing as like a third midfielder or, or as an extra defender, um, she was she was really good. She swept up plenty. Um, and they just seen the job out. Six point winners in the end, you know, full value and, and a comprehensive enough win to start their campaign. They won't be pulling up any trees with it. They know they have a massive test to come next uh, Saturday when they go to Westmead to take on uh, Westmead in Kinnegad. Westmead coming off the back of a two point win against Dublin in round one. So that's going to be a really tasty local derby as it was in the football on Sunday, Mickey. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, uh, we wish them the very best luck, as you said, to take on Westmead um, in Kinnegad next Saturday at 2pm. Lush, beautiful grass shouldn't be limited to GA pitches. At Husqvarna, we have the perfect solution. Silently say goodbye to hours wasted manually mowing your lawn, replacing it with the near-silent cutting of a Husqvarna Automower. Smart home compatible, and if that isn't your cup of tea, Automower from your phone. Automore also brings new meaning to green fingers, producing no direct emissions. If we've caught your ear, contact PR Coin and Sons, your authorised Automore dealer, on 046 955 1910 or in store in Clonard, County Mead. 
Moving on now to the big one that took place uh, yesterday, Sunday. Davey Rispin, or today, depending on when you're listening to this. Um, uh, it was a massive, massive game for Andy McEntee. Um, similar to last year's club championships in Mead, your first game in this league is massive. And they came away with the victory, 16 points to 15. A plucky Westmead side, it has to be said, who led for large parts of that game and, you know, we couldn't shake them off. But then final 10, 15 minutes was where Mead made hay. And again, the bench making a huge impact for me. Yeah, there was a few things in it, Mickey. I think I don't think the performance will, will, will live long in the memory. But as you say, it was all about the results today. There was no doubt about it. The, the type of league that it's going to be this year, a majorly condensed and shortened league, you know, with only three games, your, your first game, completely sets the tone because if you win it, I won't say the pressure's off, but you have a little bit more scope. Whereas if you lose, you're, you're suddenly staring down the barrel straight away and another defeat will obviously plunge into relegation trouble. Um, you're right. The last 10, 15 minutes, Mead showed their superior and supreme level of fitness. To be fair, Westmead were excellent up to that. They had a game plan. They regimented it. They put 14, 15 men behind the ball. They broke up pace. They used the long diagonal at different times in the first half and early parts of the second. And that did cause Mead problems. Like Heslin was a handful. Conor McGill had an excellent battle and duo with him. But but gradually we, we ascended our dominance on it. And I think the loss of midfielder Sam Duncan about 15 minutes from time due to a black card was hugely significant. Pitted with the substitutes that Mead called upon in that time. And obviously, Brian McMahon came on at halftime. Fionn Riley was introduced, Eamon Wallace, James Conlon. We ended up getting five points from our bench. And when you look at the total of 16 points, getting five points from your bench and having it so spread around was, was hugely valuable. Brian McMahon, I thought, was outstanding. Fionn Riley on his debut for Mead, absolutely brilliant. We, we talked about it, you know, playing like he did with, with Kells. That's exactly how he played, off the cuff. Um, with a complete freedom to his game, you know, doesn't really care about reputations or pressure or anything like that. He was magnificent. And thankfully, we just about did enough to get over the line and, and hang on for a huge and valuable two points, Mickey. Uh, uh, Davey, I want to come back to Fionn Riley because he, he made a huge impression when he came on and he was absolutely fantastic. Scored a point and was involved in Mead's last point as well. Um, like, so so for, for, for Kells people, for Gail Collins kill people, what will they be able to get out about now, like Davey? You know, for, for years we've been getting it here on the podcast. Why is there nobody from Kells on the on the Mead senior team? Like, why is there they've been in more they're not teams. dubs, Mickey? Don't it's uh, well, I nah, don't know, no, but you know what I mean? Like, there, there, was, yeah. there was this giving out and giving out and whatever. But in fairness, like that's only a bit of tongue in cheek. He was absolutely brilliant when he came on. Um, didn't look out of his depth, looked like he fitted in, and that's what you want from a player who's making his debut. Like, yeah, this is where I belong. And this is where Fionn Riley belongs, definitely. I, th- I think inter-county football suits him, Mickey, because yeah. he's not he's not actually uh, restricted to playing in a position, if you will. So he can almost play the Killian O'Sullivan role, if you will, in the sense that he could pop up in the full forward line, but a minute later he could be back in his full back line, starting to move and, and working it up the pitch. I think that suits him. And when you watch him with Gail Conkill, that's exactly the way he plays. I'm delighted for him because I think he's been well touted for a long time now to be in there and, and to play for me. Then he's absolutely backed that up with a terrific 
um, cameo performance and, and we will hear from him on the Lyle Riles podcast this week. Um, he's a player that's going to be pushing, there's no doubt about it, for a start next Sunday. Um, and I think that's going to be the next milestone for him and maybe for Gail Conkill to get a starter, shall we say. But um, I think the Gail Conkill people, <laughs> it's not going to stop them giving out because they'll just turn around and say, well, we, we told you so, lads. Um, <laughs> and, and there should be a lot more of the O'Reilly's in there. There should be eight of that team in there. Yeah, and, and there. look at who's to argue with them based on that performance. Yeah. But obviously, Jordy Muldoon is in there as well. He's currently out on the sidelines, injured. So we hope to see him at some stage as well. Another hugely exciting talent um, and young talent coming through. But absolutely brilliant to see. And there was some other players as well who, who, who definitely featured and made lasting impressions, Mickey. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned uh, Jordy uh, Muldoon there from Kells and he's out of an injury as well. We did catch up with Andy McIntyre after the game and he gave us an update on all the injuries um, that are in the panel at the moment. Um, and we also caught up with the aforementioned Fionn Riley and you'll be able to hear those interviews on our Patreon uh, forward slash We Are Me podcast, the Loyal Royals podcast on our Patreon service and uh, a full review of the game. Also on our Patreon service, our Loyal Royals podcast, um, we have a review of the Camogues from Saturday and we have interviews there with Jane Dolan and the manager of the Camogues, uh, Brendan Skeehan. Um, and we also have our 10 best series continuing this week where we will be doing our 10 best since 2010 from Sydney GFC. Um, you know, so Mead, Mead, Take that victory, Davy Brisbane, against Westmead, the one-point victory that it was, and they move on to the next game against Down. It is in the Athletic Grounds next Saturday, sorry, next Sunday at 3.45 p.m. Um, in Armagh. Of course, that game was moved from a home venue for Down from Newry uh, for them being bold boys and getting a slap on the wrist uh, for training during uh, lockdown. And um, we've spoken about it already. You know, it's more of a hindrance to the games move to, to the athletic grounds in Armagh for, for, for us because it's a, it's a longer journey. But, um, you know, this is a massive game. You win this game, your last game is a dead rubber practically. Essentially, yeah. And, and like, if it goes to script that Mayo beat Westmead, which you'd imagine on the back of their performance on Saturday against Down would suggest that they would. It would be um, the two of us true, but it would be to decide who tops the group and has the perceived easier semi-final. Yeah. I actually caught a bit of Kildare and Cork. It was a good game on Saturday and, and Kildare were excellent, actually, you have to say. So you'd imagine, based on form, those two would still come out of the other group, the South group, as it's called, in Division 2. So we'll see what happens there. But you're right. Um, down, you'd imagine they'll have a sting in them. This is going to be backs against the wall for them. They know they have to come out and win. They'll probably see it as an opportunity. They'll look at me and they'll say, well, to be, beat Westmead by a point, but they didn't play well. They might fancy it. That, that could play into me hands as well. Um, we, we definitely won't take them for granted because I know in previous years we may well have done going up there to Newry to play them. Obviously, this one's in Armagh. I think the, the benefit of having the game against Armagh in Armagh last week will definitely help. I think that's a masterstroke. Meant to say it's Andy, actually, whose idea was that, but we might ask him next week after the game um, if all goes to plan. But yeah, look at Mickey. Um, I think it's it's a big game for both. Bigger game maybe for Down than it is for Mead, but it's a great opportunity for us to, you know, to get the second win. Yeah, and you're forgetting about the main thing, you know, like uh, the foresight of Andy McIntyre <laughs> sending Sean Boylan up to infiltrate Down um, and to be able to break <laughs> home some um, some some information on on, on this Down team. Of course, Sean Boylan is involved with the Down Under 20s team, and uh, I'm but like you know, I'm sure 
Sean has has been able to give a few little uh, uh, nuggets of information to Andy. I hope it's that way, Mickey, and not the other way around, because I seen him in the yeah, stand today at the game. So I was thinking to myself, geez, Sean Biden's there. I hope he's there to watch me and to cheer me on, and he's not there as a scouting mission for down, but surely he wouldn't do a dirty like that, would he? <laughs> ah, no, no, no. Don't, you, don't, you could never, you could never put that. Uh, Put Sean Boylan and something like that together. Absolutely not, no. Um, but uh, yeah, just uh, just to give him a mention, and of course, um, you know, we do hope to get an interview with Sean Boylan in the coming months for our We Are Mead podcast, uh, the legend that is. Um, Davey, it's um it's it's, it's gonna be an action packed weekend again next weekend. We have the Mead footballers out, as we said on Sunday in the Athletic Grounds in Armagh at 3:45 on Sunday. The Camogues are out on Saturday in Kinnegad against Westmead um at 2 p.m. The hurlers are out at 1 p.m. on Sunday, just after getting that picture. Uh, 1 p.m. on Sunday against Kerry, and that's in Austin Stack Park in Tralee. And then, of course, the ladies are out next weekend as well, Davey. They make their season uh, bow, Mickey, at home against Kerry in the National Football League in Park Tolton in Navan next Saturday afternoon. So on the back of, obviously, their intermediate championship win last year, um, there's going to be huge excitement and euphoria around this particular team. So big game against Kerry and hopefully they can start their campaign off with a win. And it was three out of three this weekend, Mickey. Wouldn't it be great if it was four out of four next weekend? Oh, well, if Carlsberg did uh, really good weekends, David, you know, that, that'd that be it. But um, yeah, we wish them all the very best of luck next weekend um, in the respective league campaigns. Uh, David, um, Moving on, we will run through our lottos. Um, I'm sure all of our uh, listeners are mad to hear what's happening with all the lotto jackpots around the, ca- around the county. Yeah, absolutely, Mickey. So the Saini first up, their jackpot is currently at 5,250. The next draw takes place on Saturday, May 15th, and you can play that one at Dunsany Lotto or using the deposit boxes in Centra or the post office in Kilmesson or the Club Force app. So you have like four or five different ways of playing Dunsany. Basically, no excuse not to play the Dunsany Lotto. That's what they're saying. <laughs> um, uh, Andy Smith and Dunchocklin Royal Gales. They had no jackpot winner, incredibly, um, of their 13,000 euro jackpot, but they had one match three winner who was Simon Farrell. He collected 200 euro for his trouble, so that was lovely. Um, their next draw takes place on Monday, May 17th at half eight, live on Facebook. 13,000 euro for jackpot. Reserve increases of 10,400. I, I can guarantee you that's going to catch up by the end of this, by the time it's won. Um, you can play that one on Club Force, by the way. Manalvi GFC. There's also capped at 10,000 and the reserve is steadily increasing to 5,200 uh, Monday night. And you can play that one online at manalvigfc.ie or on the Club Force app. Longwood GFC, their weekly uh, lotto draw, their current jackpot is at 2,000 euro. They had no winner of that, but they had uh, lucky dip winners. They had three, who was Aaron Ennis, the stylish corner forward. They had Rob Brady and Nora Holton, uh, who I don't know what they collected, but they were treated the lucky dip winners. And um, my own Carton GFC, the jackpot increases to six thousand euro next Friday night. We have another retro jersey to give away. And um, last week it was Leitrim. Mickey, you'd want to see the influx of Leitrim people we had playing our lotto it was absolutely incredible. We had about thirty people in. Um, Sharon <laughs> Canning, who's married to Barry now in Carton, she she used to play with the Leitrim lady. She actually won the Leitrim retro jersey. And our, of our five twenty euros, we had two Leitrim people who won the five twenty euros. It was absolutely incredible. We were overwhelmed. <laughs> by the response they really took to it uh, 1994 Connacht Champions that was that jersey class jersey you'd have loved it um, yeah. 
you'd, you'd, you'd probably remember that in 1984 as well, Mickey, yeah, would you? I actually, well, of course, yeah. yeah. I was, in 1994, I was 15. I'm not trying to take the piss, I'm just asking. <laughs> I was 15, of course I remember. <laughs> um, but anyway, we're back on Friday night at 10pm live on Facebook. Corte GA, another retro jersey to be given away. Gail Column Kill, still going as well at 12,000, currently capped at. Um, it takes place every Thursday night. They had five match three numbers um, last week, but no winner. Um, Dunsany, sorry, you've upgraded as well. They're at 5,400 next week. They had no winner at the 5,250 euro jackpot, but Danny Tyne, 150 euro for matching three numbers. Kilskier, um, they ha- they do letters. So their, their winner letters were C, G, M and Q, but they had no winner of the letters, but they had three letter winners who were Ailish Smith, Sandro Grady, Mark Owens, Marguerite Hart and Natalie Woods. Their next draw takes place on the 25th of May and they have a jackpot of 10,000 up for grabs. Blackhall Gales, <laughs> GFC, their next jackpot takes place tomorrow night, Monday. It's 5,600. Clannard, GFC, also 5,600. Also tomorrow night, live on Facebook at 8pm. Navin O'Mahony's, the, the perennial um, cheats. Um, oh no. <laughs> I can't say that. Can I around a lot of? Maybe oh, I can. You'll definitely oh. back me up and say go ahead. Oh, absolutely not. No, no. I'm All not right. Back. Okay, you're the good that's, guy this week. Right? Just, no, no, no. That's complete defamation. Like you, you're not getting away with that one when you get your solicitor's letter from Colin O'Brien. <laughs> no, and he's upgraded the numbers to 36 this week. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I think it's still at 32. So you have a, still a great chance of winning um, only 32 numbers to, to pick the four correct ones out of. But um, their next draw is 6,200 euro. They had no jackpot winner last week. The winning numbers of 6,050 jackpot were 6, 10, 11 and 18. They had one, two, three, four, five match three numbers. Um, and you can play their lotto on the club app or at the web link. Through Condor GFC, 8,700 euro. Tuesday nights, online via the smart lotto, you can drop envelopes into the club ho- clubhouse post box. Um, St. Column Kills GFC, their numbers were 2, 7, 12, and 28. They had no jackpot winner. Um, they had 50 euro winners who were Brenda Riley of Laytown and Pat and Mar- Marion Werty of Mornington, who uh, collected 50 quid each. Their next jackpot is 5,300 euro. Minolte GFC somehow still going strong. Their jackpot takes place or has taken place 20 minutes ago, making nine o'clock on a Sunday night. It's 15,000. If it is one, we will, of course, let you know. Uh, Oldcastle GFC, 12,000 euro next Wednesday. Um, Kilmainham GFC, God, there's a lot this week, isn't there? 5,700 every Monday night. Uh, Kildalki, which is the penultimate one here on my list, 9,300 euro. You can play online. Their next jackpot takes place on the 18th of May, which is Tuesday night, um, and it's live via the stream. And the final one, as I take a breath, is Ballinlock GFC. 3,000 euro of a jackpot. Their next draw takes place Monday night at 9 p.m. Brilliant. And before I go on to give you my two, Davey, um, what was the club that are doing the letters instead of the numbers? Kilskier. Remember, when you when you when you said it to me, you know, I was just thinking of an awful lot of four-letter words that could come out there that could cause uh, <laughs> like know. like countdown. Yeah, <laughs> just like countdown. Yeah, uh, eight out of ten cats does countdown. It'd be it'd be more like that one, but uh, yeah, um, uh, it'd be interesting. 
I know the letters I'd be picking um, in that lotto. Um, anyway, uh, there's probably about twenty other people to pick the same ones. <laughs> We'd all be sharing them. Um, okay, well, they'd be a share of the same things. Um, <laughs> so we have two left. Uh, Central Sense uh, GFC Lotto jackpot for the draw on the seventeenth of May, which is uh, Monday night, will be nine thousand nine hundred. It wasn't lot. It wasn't one, and you can play it via. Uh, the Smart Lotto online. Simonson's jackpot wasn't won. They had one match three winner and uh, it was Audrey Fox and she picks up a nice 150 euro and their jackpot is now approaching 7,500 euro but it is in fact 5,800 euro um, but it is still approaching the 7,500 euro mark. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we will let you know when it hits the 7,500 because at that stage, it will be then approaching 15,000, which is just phenomenal stuff from the lads out there in Simonson. Lush, beautiful grass shouldn't be limited to GA pitches. At Husqvarna, we have the perfect solution. Silently say goodbye to hours wasted manually mowing your lawn, replacing it with the near-silent cutting of a Husqvarna Automower. Smart home compatible, and if that isn't your cup of tea, Automower from your phone. Automore also brings new meaning to green fingers, producing no direct emissions. If we've caught your ear, contact PR Coin and Sons, your authorised Automore dealer, on 046 955 1910 or in store in Clonard, County Mead. JB Rispin, um, that's our lotto's done, and uh, we wish everybody the very best luck who does take part in them. The, the lotto actually for Simonson has gone up to 5,850. The lotto jackpot last week was 5,800, so it's 5,850. So get out there, do your um, do your best to win one of your club lottos. Not, none won recently, Davey. That's, that's uh, you know, and all these all these jackpots are really building up at the moment. So, you know, it's um, it's well worth getting out and doing them. Absolutely, Mickey. Yeah, support the club and uh, who knows? We're still in them to win them. We're still in win- we're still in all of them to win the ball. So you know, I, I can you imagine if on the one weekend, you know, our numbers come out in like three or four different levels. <laughs> oh god, we'd never be as lucky. Um, we'd, never be, we'd never be back. Yeah. And um, moving on anyway to Instagram interactive, Davy. It's late on a Sunday night. We are still, I suppose, you know, humming from that win for for for, for me against Westmead today in Park Talchin. So. Um, I'm sure a lot of our listeners have got involved with the Instagram. They have indeed, Mickey. Andy Smith is first up and he just said blessed. It was blessed. Uh, like, Westmead were very good for large portions of the game, but the, 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 the style of football they were playing, they were playing counter-attack football. So it was trying to transition uh, from defence into attack very quickly, which they did excellently. and They did that really well for 50, 55 minutes. But Mead's fitness... Uh, and and Mead's bench is what told in the end. You know when I said it to you in in, in our um, Patreon podcast that uh, podcast that um, uh, that our midfield maybe maybe was overrun for the first fifty five minutes, but they showed their steel in the in, in, in the final fifteen minutes and and were breaking through and breaking through the rear guard of of, of West Mead. I think yeah, you could say blessed on one hand. We could have we could have won it. We had a few more chances as well towards the end that we could have uh, we could have you know stepped it up and won it by a few more. Yeah, absolutely. Um, next one in is from 
Flash Gordon, and he says, having no ball boy behind the goals. Yeah, I don't know, is that an advantage or a disadvantage? I suppose it depends what, what, what period of the game we're in, but yeah, interesting maybe, observation. Maybe he's on about Andy Colgan's last kickout where he walked the whole way out and then he walked the whole way back over. And, yeah, um, I, I'd say Flash wants a job, maybe. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and you know, no better booking. No, absolutely. I've seen him doing it for Davy Lyons and Sedgetown for years. <laughs> I probably will be for another few years. <laughs> you won't just admit that one, Flash. <laughs> um, Brendan Byrne says Mayo won't be sweating. Sure. We're not worried about Mayo. Down is what we are worried about next weekend. And um, we get the victory there. It's, you know, it's a league semi-final. We won't have to play Mayo again. We'll, we'll have to obviously play them in the last round of the league. But if we were to meet them again, it'd be the league final. So, and at that stage, you're promoted. So, yeah, I'm not too worried about Mayo and myself at the moment. I'm more concerned with Down next weekend. Yeah, absolutely. I fully agree with you on that one. Uh, Zach Griffin said, Fionn Riley, savage. Ah, brilliant. Yeah, we've, we spoke about him earlier on. We spoke about him on the Patreon podcast. We got an interview with him as well. Um, the people at Kells are burning bonfires tonight at the crossroads and welcome him home from Navin safely. I think Zach, Zach Griffin has the Malibu and milk cracked open as well to celebrate <laughs> his club mate. So um, well deserved. And um, yeah. there's always one Mickey. So we'll, we'll get this one out of the way. Liam Byrne, um, not the mead panelist, I may add, I may just have to distance himself <laughs> from that one in case we, we, we create a storm. But he said, think new management is needed. Andy and his staff had their chance. Think it's time for, he didn't say who. Or dot a dot, and um, yeah, look, there are there, there are people out there who don't uh, wouldn't be fans of of, of Andy and, and, and his management team, but I am a fan, and um, you can only you know have you can only put out the team or the put you can only deal with the the players you have, and, and Andy I think is doing a smashing job with them, and that, that's my own opinion. And um, like today was tough and whatever, but like we aren't Dublin. So we're not, you know, and we're not up to that level yet. So we're not. So we have to build towards that. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a traditionalist as well, Mickey. I, I, whatever about question a manager or a management team after a bad defeat or whatever, I, I actually don't think it's acceptable to do it after a win, no matter in what style it was in. Um, God almighty, what would it be like if we had been beaten, you know, when you think yeah. about it? So... But like- yeah, you have to remember how important that game today was for Westmead as well. You know, like it's huge, it's, yeah, yeah. It was huge. It was an absolutely massive game because they know that they've got Mayo to come. They probably would have been earmarking Mead and Down. Probably said Down is the game we win, and Mead is the one that we, you know, put all our eggs in our basket and, and try and get that victory because the league format is going to change the whole championship format next week, next year. So you have to avoid relegation. So Westmead came and they gave it all they had. And we've got the victory. So, yeah, on. carry carry on sports is next, and uh, Andy said subs made an impact for me. Yeah, huge impact. The you know we compared the two benches in our Patreon podcast. The Mead bench came on and scored five points. The West Mead bench came on and scored nothing. Yeah, simple as Shane Mulvaney. Uh, great to win, but the display won't cut it in a few weeks. Subs made a difference. Yeah, subs made a difference. That display won't cut in a few weeks. You're right against Westmead. But we also won't come up against a team that are going to play 15 behind the ball and try and stifle you and play counter-attack football uh, when you go up to play against Mayo. 
Um, you will get it against down again next week and we have to find an answer to that. Absolutely. Robert Perfield next up and he said, shouldn't have been as close. Good few bad whites. Yeah, we did have a good few bad whites towards the end of the game, but we were, you know, you have to remember we were four points down and we came back and we got level and then we got ahead. We did have a couple of chances that we could have maybe, you know, just got that cushion point or maybe even gone four points ahead towards the end. Um, but, you know, we, he, he is right. Yeah, we could have been a little bit further. We could have been further away from Westmead towards the end. Yeah, next one up is from Leo Weldon. And Leo said, very reminiscent of games in Division 2 from 2019. Yeah, again, I've spoken to a few people about this. This is what Division 2 football is like. It is so tough. Like, There's not much between the teams. And you're going to have an awful lot of teams who will play that defensive style of football. And, you know, you have to figure out a way um, of being able to beat that week on week. That's what the Division 1 teams can do. The top Division 1 teams, um, the likes of your Dublins, your Kerrys, your Tyrones, your Donegals, you know, they know they have systems to beat the, the defensive systems themselves. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I was actually talking to Jack Stillman about that uh, as well, off, off, off air sort of. And we were just saying that they sort of drag you down into to yeah. their level, if you will. You know, because they see me, there's a big hitter coming down from Division 1 and teams make it extremely difficult to play against, you know, first and foremost. And I think you're right. That's something that Mead will just have to gradually overcome and find a way of, of playing against. And, you know, you're right. You're going to get the, the exact same next Sunday in uh, in Armagh against Down. So, we, you know, we'll be ready for it, hopefully. Um, Tom O'Connor said, same old story of needing a consistent free taker. Yeah, you know, he is right. There's no doubt about it. And, you know, you look at Heslin kicking the freeze. You look at the, I don't want to, you know, but like you, you look at the Calvin game last night um, where um, Sean Quigley for Fermanagh kicked, kicked uh, nine out of 10 efforts over the bar. You need a free taker that's going to kick 90, 85 to 90% of his uh, freeze and dead balls over the bar. And we chopped and changed today and we had different fellas kicking ball. Of course, we're missing Shane Walsh, we're missing Ronan Jones, um, you know, so maybe who knows what way it'll, it will go in the future. I know Colgan come up, kicked one uh, out of his three and it was a very vital score that we did kick, but Tom is right. I just, if we could just get that free taken, but look, on the horizon, Mickey Newman could be back in there in three to four weeks' time. Yeah, I think I think it is important that we do get it rectified. There's no doubt about it. I think if you look at Dublin today against Roscommon, Cormac Costello yeah. came into the team and he's not the resident free taker, but he took on the responsibility from Dean Rock and he was nigh on flawless. So like I think every every team should have one, if not two. Like Luke Lachlan for Westmead kicked two unbelievable 45s right. from them. Yeah. From you know, as well as John Heslin's excellent um uh, conversion rate too so like yeah we, we look we have to there's no doubt about it we have to improve on that but you know hopefully with Mickey I, on the way back we, we will yeah and look I, I my boots I always have them in the back of the car if, if, if it's, it's not that bad just, just yet but. well if he wants a free taker just bring me on for the freeze that's all I'm saying like if we could just turn if we could have one rule brought in to Gaelic football it'd be the kicker from American football just have me sitting on the side eating pizza drinking coke and then, you know, oh, it's a free Mickey. Grand. I'll be out now. Uh, lovely. We, we used to play, we used to play a sevens uh, tournament over in Ghana, an underage tournament. And um, 
they gave two points for freeze kicked over from the ground. Oh, the ground so we had yeah. a fella who probably wasn't the most mobile um, in, in terms of being on a sevens team. But every time we get a free, he was roll on, roll off. He'd come <laughs> on and he was brilliant with the freeze off the ground and he'd hit it and off he went. That was the way it worked. I won't name him, but, you know, uh, he was, you know, something like that would definitely uh, play into your favour, Mick Sheen. Would. Um, Eddie Kirby said, credit to Andy Colgan. Solid today under the most pressure in Mead. Yeah, 100%. And um, this is a really pressurised game for me. Uh, as we said, it's similar to the club championships of Mead last year, where your first game was huge. Andy Colgan, you know, has for the last couple of years, he's been under pressure. He's had the odd mistake here and there that may have cost us games and whatever. He's had this pressure on his back. Then there's the new two goalkeepers in there this year, training with him. He was flawless today. Bar, okay, and he kicked one out of his three frees, but goalkeeping today was absolutely incredible. His kickouts were impeccable. I thought that they were savage. And, you know, he, he didn't put a foot wrong between the posts today. I, I, no, I was, I was delighted for him as well, Mickey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. thoroughly deserved it. And kind of back that we were speculating who might be number one. Um, you know, he's justified his selection and justified his number one position with me. So, yeah, kudos to him. Um Next one is from Anya Marie McKenna, who said, great start by Fionn Riley. Yeah, again, we've, we've spoken, we can't speak uh, highly enough of him. Um, brilliant, fitted in seamlessly. Um, and uh, as you said, Kells people will be out in force now saying, or should we told you he'd be good enough? But now in fairness, he was away playing soccer, so he was. He was playing that far in sport. Now he came back. And now we have him sorted and he's ready to play county football. Deck F. Dunn, who was probably feeling the pressure more than most because I know Deck resides in, in the Mullingar area, so he was probably fearing for himself at, at different yeah. stages of the game. But Deck said, McMahon, Conlon and Scully to start next game. Also, at least we now have a plan A and a plan B. Yeah, 100%. But again, like, spoke with this as well. Like, last year and the year beforehand... Our, our bench always made an impression when they came on. So those lads have put their hands up for a start and burnt next week. And he's forgetting to mention Fionn Riley there. I don't know if anybody knows him. He's from Kells. He had a great game when he came on there today. Um, but there are... Oh, there's another one about that, so you're okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, all those lads put up their hands. And the thing about it is we want competition. We want fellas coming off the bench. And as Andy said to us in his interview on our, our, on our Loyal Royals podcast, that's their job. <laughs> you know, that's their job to come off the bench and make an impression. So, um, Alan Moore said, Jason Scully is the best thing since sliced bread. Yeah, he's up there. Um, he's up there um, with the best things since sliced bread. Um, he, again, I, I, I really like Jason Scully and I think that, you know, he's, if he can keep going the way he's going and the way he's been improving, um, he's going to become a mainstay in there on that start of 15. Um, cardio vast training said Fionn Riley needs to start next the next day. Unbelievable! More Gail Column Kill players need to be involved. <laughs> they couldn't just let it go. They couldn't just let it no, go. No. I wonder who the I wonder who the ones are that they they, 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 they yeah. Well, actually, just let us know which players you think should be in on the on the panel. Um, I, I can think of a few that would be named straight away. But um, yeah, like. Again, he's put his hand up for a starting bird next week, and there's no doubt about it. And it'll be it'll be great to see it. 
I'd, I'd love to see him included, yeah. Uh, Brian Flynn said squeaky bum time in the last quarter. Absolutely. Well, it wasn't because we were four points down in the last quarter. So it was only squeaky bum time when we got two points up um, because that's a precarious lead. It meant that, you know, Westmead had to go for a goal. And if they went for a goal and got the goal, they were getting the win. So it's one of those leads that you kind of, you don't like is that two point lead going into uh, the final few minute or two because exactly what happened to Kells last year. Do you know what I mean? Like um, uh, in, in the senior football championship final is that they're going to throw everything with kitchen sink and all at you to try and get a goal. Um, but we, we, we staved them off today, which was great. Peter Duffy going with the half glass empty instead of full by saying less said the better. Uh, I wonder what he's uh, maybe he's talking about Cavan, is he? It could have been, yeah, it could have been that. Um, could have been the, the training drum lead that his father was doing. Um, I, I, I don't know. Um, we'll have to get back on to Duffer there and, and, and just maybe he's talking about his Malibu milk, his glass is half empty. Oh, he's fair enough. It. Yeah. <laughs> um, Paul Sheridan, uh, who is part of the goalkeepers' union, Planard Netminder. Saying goalkeepers not wearing the goalkeeper jersey, my biggest pet peeve in brackets. Yeah. Good win today, though. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, maybe that maybe that's Colgan's lucky jersey or something like that. But yeah, it is one of my pet peeves as well. I hate to see the the um, goalkeeper not wearing the the, the actual jersey they're supposed to be wearing. In, in mm. fairness to Paul, he's always well kitted out, and they always have a kind of wacky enough jersey in Clonard. So yeah, um, yeah. It, it suits him down to the ground. Um, Lauren Gorman is next, and she says, a great weekend overall with wins for the Hurland, Camogie, and football. A W is a W. A W, a one is a one is a one. And I've been saying that all day because, you know, it was a hard-fought win, we'll take it. Three wins out of three, and we're hoping for four wins out of four next weekend. Yeah, uh, Paddy Short, gimmick of a rule, not letting the keeper take the quick kick out if ball on the pitch wasn't being applied in other games. Yeah, well, that's, that is the rule. If there's a ball on the pitch, you can't, you can't have a second ball on the field. I, I think um, he's saying that in some cases... Goal. Well, I think he's saying in some cases it's enforced and others it's not. Yeah, but the rule is the rule. Do you know what I mean? Like we, can't, we can't give out about um, the, the referee today being, being picky. You can't kick a ball out if there's a ball on the field. It just... Wouldn't make sense. Did you see the goal Shamrock Rovers scored over the weekend, Mickey? Uh, no, no. Have a look at it. Um, ball goes out, but it kind of bounces back onto the pitch. So your man goes to pick the ball up and, and give it back to the fella taking the throw. Meanwhile, they actually get another ball and they work the throw in really quickly. But there's two balls on the pitch. So everybody's switched off and they get in and they put the ball in the net and the goal counted. Um, yeah, watch it back. It's, it's mad. Yeah, but it's a silly game anyway, so it is. <laughs> you played it for long enough. I still play it, but it's a silly game, so it is. Poor referee um, and poor linesman in that game, so it is. Josh Baldy said, sack the person doing the scoreboard. And the reason being here, Mickey, is that the young fella doing the scoreboard, he was sitting beside me actually in the press box, and he was, he was specifically told to leave the clock running for the first water break, which he did. And then the first half went on until like the 40th or 41st minute, purely because he left it running for the two minutes, the water break. And then sure at halftime, the boys come up and this is all pause, pause the scoreboard for the second water break. So not his fault. He was just well, doing what he was told. 
It's funny because the same happened uh, at the hurling last week, and the same happened at the football last night. That they that nobody knew whether they were supposed to leave it running or they were supposed to pause it uh, for the water break. So again, um, it's not it, it didn't just happen today. That's been happening now for the last few weeks um, since the return last weekend. Yeah, Joe McQueenie next in, and he said Andy said that there will be guys back for down. Does that include Newman by any chance? Uh, well, I don't think so. From our interview with him, I don't think he'd be available for 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 the down game. No, I think I think the hope is that he is back running and will probably start doing a bit of ball work. But the hope may be that he may return in some capacity against Mayo in the last game. Hopefully, all going well. Yeah. Um, Anthony Healy next in, and he said, "Fion Riley, Savage, we need more of those boys." Where is Shane Walsh? Um, more than by some Gail Cotton Kill Kells, is that what he said? Um, yeah, but he's no, in the Fina, man. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. Um, Shane Walsh as well, injured. Um, so again, an update from Andy on him, but it is a broken or uh, fractured kneecap. Yeah, um, next one is from Dara McFan, and he said, Allison's header. Yeah, look, just just now, like we will not speak of the foreign ball on this podcast, um, and especially not when it's Liverpool winning uh, a game with a last second, last gasp header from a goalkeeper. Um, shouldn't have been in that end of the field. Um, but yeah, look, I'm sick, I'm sick of us looking at it going, a one all draw here would be lovely. And then we could we could start saying um, that Liverpool will be blaming West Brom for putting out the strongest team they've ever put out. And, and, and breaking their hearts and not then getting not not getting top four for Champions League. But yeah, enough said about that. The better. <laughs> I think the last one here is from Dylan Roach, and he said Scully and Kyogen love skinny dipping. And um, basically, the the crack behind this one, Mickey, is that the two lads after a lot of training sessions and games end up going to a, a river in North Meath where they hop in. Now I don't think it's skinny dipping. I think they do have shorts on. But it's as part of the recovery, the two boys in North Mead um, going off and, and getting the recovery in. But maybe Dylan Roach has spotted them, you know, so um, who knows? Yeah, look, then the whole thing, um, the whole thing with uh, jumping in the river, we used to do that when I was playing with Cabin. We used to go down to the lake um, after training uh, during the summer and uh, just wade into the lake and, uh, and splash around and whatever. It's similar to your old cold baths and all that and the gets the blood rushing or whatever it's good for recovery but um uh yeah um yeah fair play to my I, I think they're dead right get into the river there and you know get the recovery going uh is that it Davey have we anything from PS tapes no I think he was busy with birthday parties and stuff today Mickey so probably not too surprised not to hear from him um, well I t- I t- I, and the funny thing is he texted me earlier on and he said he was going to get a message in he says cool and get me well he, d- he he sent me a private message but it wasn't it was more about oh the performance and that it wasn't really a question so no I, I don't think so pick a question out of it or pick a statement out of it that he said so he said hearing quite a bit of negativity but it's great to be starting with a win after no training and very little time to prepare showed some good heart today to come back and win wouldn't have won that game two years ago onwards and upwards yeah um, and I agree with the sentiments that's true um, and you know, a meet team down by four points going into the last 10 minutes would have struggled to get a victory there. And we actually thought ourselves up in the in the stand, in the in the press area, we were like going, they're not going to win this without a goal. And they didn't get a goal. 
but they got six points out of the last uh, seven uh, to give them that one point victory. So great win for Reid. And uh, yeah, onwards and upwards, Davy. Absolutely, Mick. Uh, that's all from Instagram. That's it from Instagram. Um, anything else to bring to the podcast this week? No, I don't think so. I think we've covered plenty. Yeah, well, we wish Andy the very best luck in Armagh next week. We wish uh, the ladies football team the very best of luck against Kerry on Saturday. Also, the Camogues on Saturday are taking on Westmead in Kinnegad. We wish them the very best of luck. And of course, the hurlers are out at 1pm on Sunday in Austin Stark Park. A nice little trip down to Kerry for the lads. And you never know, they might even stay down there and go down to to uh, Dingle for a few days. But that's it from this episode of the We Are Mead podcast. And uh, We Are Mead, why matters more.